I realized while watching The Last Jedi that I am like so I'm so kind of uninvested in where it should go. Like I have no like intention for how it should happen. I'm just I embrace the fact that like this is fiction and it's a story that somebody's writing and I just want to see what story they wrote. And that's kind of how I feel about almost everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say is that's not an exclusive uh, approach for you just to Star Wars because I, mean, I, I think I said the same thing last week when we were talking about The Walking Dead. You did. Which is that listen, you know, I mean, if you write the story and you want to let Negan out, let Negan out, you know? <laughs> if you write the story and you know, this side of the other characters not working, then take him out. And, and you want to ruin my childhood by turning Luke into some freaking pansy who runs away? Then yeah, yeah, just do that. I'm not, I'm not attached. I mean, obviously Luke's going to change. He gets older and he's been through some things. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with, with Fairm. I mean, listen, if they would have had the movie and Luke would have taken the lightsaber and been like, Let's freaking own some first order. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, let's freaking own some first order. Like that sounds great too. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with, oh, fine man. with all of it. Oh man. If you if you couldn't tell, we're well, it's Christmas time. Well, we're two days away from Christmas. Right. Sitting right next to a Christmas tree. It's very nice. We're back in your house. First time in <laughs> several good, episodes. A good while. It's been a long time. Yep. Um and, and I just thought. Around Christmas, it would be fun to revisit The Last Jedi because it's been, it's been a year. Uh, December 15th, 2017 is, is when that came out. And um, it feels weird to be in this season and not have a Star Wars movie to talk about because Solo came out in May and kind of just ruined that whole Star Wars every Christmas vibe that we had going. And... I wanted to talk about it because we've never, I don't know if we've really talked about it all that much, even, you know, on iMessage or Slack or whatever it may have been. And this was a very <laughs> divisive movie to, uh, to, to say the least. I guess a good place to start would just be to kind of get like, what is your, your Star Wars background? Have you always been a big fan? Has it just kind of, blossomed in the last few years since since Disney got a hold of it. Where yet? So I I'm trying to remember. I like I don't really have a clear recollection of my introduction to Star Wars. I really remember watching The Phantom Menace for like my it would have been eighth it wouldn't have been eighth or ninth. Nineteen ninety nine. So it was my eleventh. I was in fifth grade. No, because it had come out on video. Um, I was in fifth grade when it came out. I have yeah. very vivid memories. I mean, I, I, I distinctly remember that it came out in 1999. Um, when in 1999? New tab! Come on. Or it might have been I was ending fifth grade because May, you know, it came out in May. It, it came out in May. Okay. And so, and so it, came out in, it came out in VHS around uh, the beginning of September, which my birthday is September 8th. And I think my parents got it for me. For my birthday, we watched it at my sleepover birthday party. We also played kickball at that party, and so we watched the we watched Phantom Menace, and I, I loved loved the Phantom Menace because I was 11 years old. And honestly, I did, like I enjoyed like 
Qui-Gon Jinn and, you know, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as an 11 year old, like Jar Jar Binks didn't bother me. Had you, so had that, you seen the, the original trilogy? I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen the originals, um, to that point. Mostly eh, I saw him a lot more after that, actually, because, um, friend of mine who actually is, uh, his brother is now my brother-in-law. Um, but they, they moved down the street when I was 12, I want to say maybe 11, but, um, and, and, and they, they used to watch them a lot more. So I would end up watching them, the, the original trilogy at their house a lot. And so I, I ended up watching it a lot more, but I mean, I do believe I'd, I'd seen the originals before I saw the Phantom Menace. I mean, I understood and, and, and you know, seen that whole story of like Darth Vader. I knew, you know, this was the pre trilogy and, and that whole sort of thing. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the Phantom Menace and, Episode two was weird, and episode three was weirder. I mean, I saw, I saw each of those in the theater because, like, I mean, it's a Star Wars movie, so go see it in the theater. And um, and yeah, that was it's not good. So that was that was kind of when you got involved with the Star Wars is when the the new trilogy came out or the prequel trilogy. Yeah. I mean, you know, prior to that, I mean, I watched the original, but I, I don't remember the originals being, I guess, I don't know. I just really remember that birthday party. <laughs> and, and I guess I've also grappled with that in my mind, just like how much I really enjoyed the Phantom Menace back then. I, I, have, I haven't tried, I'm going to use the verb tried to watch it because there, it, there is try here. It might know. be an unpopular opinion, but I would still say it's the best of the prequel. I mean, Darth Maul was awesome. Yeah. The pod racing was awesome, especially because the video game was awesome. Yeah. Nintendo so, 64, baby. Oh, I mean, it was great. You know, you hit that, I think it was the left C button or the right C button and you would just go sideways oh, yeah, and yeah. Go, go through all the cracks <laughs> and it was great. So, I mean, I had that going for it, which, which was nice. So, I, I mean, I, I, I liked... Maybe I still, I mean, I haven't tried to watch The Phantom Menace in a long, long time. So I don't know if it's. I have watched it several, several times in the last year, year and a half. Um, Kanan, Kanan really likes The Phantom Menace as well. Um, it's not his favorite, but he ha he's seen every Star Wars movie except for episode two and episode three because I'm not a savage, you know, parent. I'm not going to. For one, those movies are really dark. Like there's there's some really dark things, especially in three. Um, there's some dark stuff in episode two as well that I'm just not, you know, I don't think he's ready to, to see. And and they're just terrible movies. So <laughs> well, <laughs> episode one, I can I can, you know, it's it's much more kid friendly. Not to go parenting on you and the audience, but there is this like ratio that you have to strike between like, okay, there's this much that's like not the best kid content here. But if it's really, really good quality outside of that, again, we, we can probably swing it, you know? But if the quality is lesser and the kid content, <laughs> the, the non-kid content just grows, then it's like, okay, you know, the ratio is just not working here. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, there's a certain amount of non-kid friendly content that just like the ratio of, of great quality there can never, you know, never work itself out. But um, they're not, we're not going to expose uh, Canyon to, to sharp objects. I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> Precisely. Like, as I started The Last Jedi, sitting here with my three year old tonight, 
and it's like PG thirteen for for what? I I don't like the yeah. fact that it's not PG. Kind of blows my mind. I I don't understand. I guess it depends on how much violence means to you, because there is a whole lot of violence in it. <laughs> yeah, that and um, I Snoke's uh, Snoke's room. There's some pretty graphic stuff happening in there. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But like, it's obviously fictional. You can't see their faces. They got helmets on. It's okay. It's like the NFL. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I, I, I haven't gotten to read the articles um, yet of because the MPAA president uh, in, ended her term or stepped down or you know retired or something um, the other the other month, and she did she did these these articles about like. How she doesn't understand why violence like just doesn't mean much to to many parents, um, and yeah, I mean it's definitely you know I I guess she she was almost like between language and violence, it's like parents will care just like so much more about language than violence, and they supposedly care about language because like well if they hear it they're just gonna start saying it and it's like well like. That was the same, not true for the violence necessarily, but anyways. Um, so I don't know. It's really interesting that it was PG-13. And that's Parenting Corner with Phil. That's it, man. Uh, my exposure to Star Wars was probably, I'd say, a couple years before Phantom Menace came out because they had the whole big push with the special editions, which in retrospect now, as an adult, it's like obviously they were building to episode one and and just the opportunity to sell these movies again. And I remember them coming back in theater. I don't think that I actually went and saw any of the original trilogy in theater, but I do remember watching all of them, um, you know, before episode one came out. And, uh, it, you know, it was this opportunity for like me and my dad to kind of connect on these because he was, I guess he was out of high school. He had to have been out of high school. Um, maybe like in his early twenties when, when, a new hope came out. And so like, you know, prime, prime time for him to, to go to the movies and, and like enjoy, you know, those movies. And so it was like something we would connect over. And then the Phantom Menace came out, you know, I'm in fifth grade, about to go into sixth grade. And, uh, I really like the Phantom Menace too, you know, as a kid, I don't really remember, um, feelings about episode two which is probably telling <laughs> um, God, it's, it's terrible. It is so bad. Um, but I do, I have strong memories of seeing episode three uh, in theaters. We actually went to a midnight showing, which was very rare in, in Clarksville. Um, and it was Brittany's senior year, you know, so she's about to graduate or she may have already graduated um, at this point. But I remember she and my dad and, and me went to this midnight showing to, to see, um, you know, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> that movie, man. That movie is something else. It's 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 not the worst of the prequel trilogy, but it's you know, it's it's pretty close. You, you think episode two is worse than episode oh, three? By far. Have you have you watched it recently? No. Oh no. man. It is so cringeworthy to watch. The, just the scenes alone between um Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, just these like supposed yeah. Them falling in love. It's just it's really disturbing. <laughs> like he is so creepy. It's like what is happening? How are you falling in love with him? He's a total creeper. And then, you know, the whole 
thing with like his mom dying and the, he like just murders all these sand people. It's just, you know, red flags, that, red that, flags that, everywhere. That's all in episode two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you forget because it's been so long. I mean, especially if you haven't watched them since, you know. Oh, no, I've, I've, I've only seen him once. Oh, wow. I, only, I only saw him once in the theater. God, yeah. I mean, so it's been 16 never years. Never saw a reason to. Yeah. I, I think I made myself go through and watch all of them you again did. before episode seven came out. And oh man, yeah, episode two is really, really bad. And episode three is worse than I remember it being. Um, but yeah, I mean, episode one to me, and I actually have these ranked. We'll talk about them way later. But episode one is the leader in the pack out of the prequel trilogy by far uh, for me. So uh, that's that's kind of my history with Star Wars. And then, you know, as as all the, the stuff happened with Disney buying Star Wars from George Lucas and just getting ramped up for uh, the, the Force Awakens in, in 2015. Just really got really excited. Um, Kanan by that time was four. And so started to get him into the fold as well to, to watch these movies. He didn't see the Force Awakens. We didn't take him in, to see it in theater. Um, but he, he, we did watch it when it came out you know, on video, like in March or whenever it came out in, in 2016 had to, had to kind of float around some scenes because, you know, it was, I didn't really want to deal with the whole Han Solo thing with him at that age, but, um, he's, you know, he, he's, he's on board now. He's seen the whole movie now, but yeah. Um, it's funny. It's funny just the different ages and like when you feel like they're ready to see certain things. I mean, I don't want to go into parent parenting corner again, but um, and then by the time, uh, the last Jedi came out last year, he was old enough to go to the movies with me. I went and saw it first, right? Cause I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything like super crazy in it. Um, and then we went and saw it. Um, the second time I, I saw it was with him and it was just a trip, man. Like, cause he loves star Wars. I mean, he's obsessed with star Wars. He could tell you, he could talk about it all day with you. Um, he just knows so much about it, like way more than me, even like he's corrected me a few times when we're talking about star Wars stuff and I was certain he was wrong. And then we went and looked and, uh, he was right. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, it was such a trip though, watching it with him because like, as soon as the, the fanfare hit right at the beginning, he was just amazed. Like he was just so into it. And so, you know, I had to explain to him, like, you can't talk in the theater, you know, <laughs> you got to whisper, he was so excited about it. It was really fun uh, watching it with him. Um, but yeah, that's that's just kind of where I'm at with Star Wars. So it sounds like I was I'm a little more maybe involved with than than maybe you are. It's kind of like our uh, Walking Dead <laughs> conversation from, from a week ago. But I would I would say that you and I have probably similar v- views on on the Last Jedi in terms of just overall satisfaction with the movie. Um, so it's going to be an interesting conversation as we, I've, I've written down, I watched the movie today. I think you did as well. And as we went through the movie, I kept writing down like, oh, this is a, this is a problem point that I don't want to say, I don't want to even make it sound like it's a, like a, a, a majority of people because I don't think it is, but it's a very divisive movie. And so I wrote down these problem areas as they were happening of like, here's something that, you know, consensus, if you will, of fanboys. 
here's a problem they have with the movie. And I just kind of want to dissect some of those as we go. But I will say, um, watching this at home today, I hadn't watched it since it came out on video. So whenever that was back in earlier this year, um, watching it in 4k, like it's one of those things where I, I feel like it's the best ex- the best viewing experience I'm getting is in my home now, and that's a little upsetting because I love going to the movies, but just the the quality of the picture I don't know it just seems so much better um, in my house, which is kind of awesome and sad all at the same time. Um, starts off, I'd say more intense than any other Star Wars movie is, has opened. Maybe the exception of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that opens with this really big space battle, right? And them flying in and doing a bunch of stupid stuff. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, because it's been uh, 13 years since you've you've seen it. Because it came out in 2005. You should go back and watch. Uh, I think you. I think it'll make you sad though, because well, I I was trying to figure out when I was going to talk about this, so I guess I'm going to talk about it now. Just do it. I don't really enjoy rewatching movies that much. Mm. I never have. It doesn't matter how much I enjoy the movie. I love the first viewing when you don't know anything about the movie because just the finding out what happens is what I enjoy so much. Well, especially movies like this, right? Where there's so much, there's so much hype surrounding it, right? There's so much uh, just public interest and what's going to happen, right? What What is this new chapter in the saga? Yeah. I mean, particularly for event movies like this, it is very exciting just that first time of, oh, this is what happens. Although maybe for some people it was like, oh, this is what, <laughs> what happens. But I, like, I really am not, and I, I, like my wife loves to rewatch movies, TV shows, you, you name it. Um, She's she's big into rewatching, and I, I'm I just especially at, I guess at this point to an even greater degree, I just always feel like, well, if I'm gonna take time to watch something, there's all this stuff that I haven't seen that I should watch, mm. not rewatch stuff that I enjoyed. Yes, but like District Nine is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen in the theater, and it's been available to stream since then like since it came out and i've just never done it because i just i know it's not going to be as good as the first time I've, i I felt that way when i was watching the last jedi today where i was like like i enjoyed it but the fact that i know what's going to happen just makes it so much different of an experience so um i don't know i, I feel i feel like is I, <laughs> I feel like just re-watching episode two or three would just be like <laughs> worse I, although i, I it'll definitely I say, be worse i gotta say like i i certainly don't remember everything that happened so i don't i kind of have that going for me so when you watched this today was this the first time you had watched it since the theater yeah okay what just without you know going too deep into it like what was your overall feelings after watching it a second time like did you feel differently than than you felt after you watched it in theater just overall about the movie. So I, I mean, I, I still think it's an enjoyable movie. I really, really enjoyed. Like I loved it when I saw it initially, and I, I mean, I do this when I rewatch movies. Sometimes it's like I just try to not 
let the second watching solely just the amazement that I had the first time. I kind of felt this way with Westworld season one when I tried to rewatch that before I watched season two. Um, one mistake I made there is that I didn't start trying to watch to rewatch season one until season two was already out. Mm. So the whole time I'm, I'm rewatching season one, I'm like, but why? I just really want to watch season two. Um, especially because like, I know, I know what happens. Like, so that, that was that, you know, so like, let's go on to this. It's kind of what, what, what I feel very often. Yeah. I was kind of meh on the, the opening crawl. I don't know if you like think about the crawls too much, but uh, like I loved uh, episode seven's crawl. I don't know. It just felt like, well, you know, it had been so long since we'd had a star Wars movie and, and it just seemed to kind of set the stage. Right. And this, this crawl is just kind of meh, but um, still the music every time, right? Like every time you, you hear that, that opening fanfare, you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, this is a star Wars movie. I'm still having a hard time getting used to uh, not having the, you know, the 20th century Fox or, or whatever, you know, not, and just going straight in. It, it, it's a little, you know, not unnerving, but just throws me off still, even, even though we're like four movies in at this point with, with new Star Wars movies. Um, this opening scene though, it's, it's kind of wild. There's a lot of things in it that I don't feel that I feel like are new for Star Wars movies. Um, particularly when it gets really intense and they start having these shots of like, people screaming but you can't hear them over this really intense music you know like i just don't feel like we've ever had visual scenes like that in a star wars movie before so i feel like they do a good job of setting the stage of what to me is kind of the overall theme of the movie is that hey this isn't your normal star wars movie right like this is this is star wars doing a new thing and going to new places whereas episode seven was very much like this is your normal Star Wars movie. So much so that we're like basically recycling the, the, the plot of A New Hope. Um, there's a lot going on in this, in this opening scene. Uh, I love, I love, uh, I don't even know how to say his name, uh, Dom Hall Gleason or mm-hmm. the guy who plays uh, General Hux. Uh, yeah. He's just so, uh, he's just so swarmy. Like he's really good at, at playing that, that, role i love the captain on the, the dreadnought i don't know who that guy is i think he's like some uh well i don't know if it's him one of uh, one of the assistants i think is like a famous comedian in, in britain uh, which i thought was inter- interesting that <laughs> they had brought him in but the, the captain on the dreadnought like to me is exactly what you would expect like in a captain and like the faces he makes as the ship's you know getting getting blown up and i love how everything on that ship is just bathed in red um, which that really, uh, stuck out to me again, watching it in 4k on my, on my OLED TV, not to, you know, not to keep laboring that point, but, uh, it's, it's very nice. All right. So I, problem number one, if you're keeping score of, of the problems comes up here. Well, first of all, they have this huge battle and Poe is very gung ho, right? He, we we didn't really get to spend a lot of time with Poe in episode seven. So he's still kind of new to everyone. I, I feel like in this movie, he gets a little bit more to do here, but really not that much more, but kind of his, his lesson is in this movie is, Hey, you can't just, you can't just keep going all the time and trying to get what you want. Cause sometimes it's not worth the cost. Right. 
he finds that out the hard way because they lose their entire bombing fleet. And yeah, they take out this dreadnought, but at, at what cost, right? They just lose so much. Um, but the the problem number one comes after this when they they make their jump to to light speed and um, you think they're getting away and then come to find out oh they've got this uh, the, the the phrase they use is tied on the end of a string and I feel like people hate this conceit of they're able to track them and then all of a sudden there's this real scarcity sensation around fuel and it's like this has just never been a thing before in, in star Wars. And, and it seems like people have a real big problem with this whole force conceit of, Oh, we're running out of fuel, but we're staying just far enough ahead, you know, to try and buy some time for the length of this, this movie. And honestly, like I get it. I, I, I can kind of understand this complaint with, with the movie fuel has never even been really mentioned before that I can recall in Star Wars movies. So I'm not as opposed to this problem that people have. And that's, I hear people talk about that a lot of like, it just feels the whole movie and this whole like time constraint, it just feels really contrived and timing timing in this movie is kind of weird anyway, because you've got all these things happening, very compacted with Poe and Finn and all of that gang and Leia. And then You've got Ray on the island with Luke, which it can't be happening in the same time frame. It just doesn't seem to be coinciding, but then it all meets up, um, you know, towards the end of the movie. Um, also, question to ask yourself throughout, which I don't know, you may not care about, but who are we shipping in this movie? Are we are we Raylo? Are we are we Rin? Are we Rose and Finn? <laughs> Can't even finish that sentence. Um, we'll, we'll we'll come back to this throughout the movie because I, I I feel like I have some very strong opinions on this, and my wife has some very strong opinions on this. So I'd like to know where you're at uh, as we go through. Um, I, I do love though when you get your first glimpse of Finn. The first thing he says is, "Where's Ray?" That may kind of tip my my hand to where I want things to go. But. Well, I did. I mean, I did notice on, on this rewatch, just like how focused Finn is on Ray. Just like the whole movie long, no matter what, what's happened. Yeah. There's always crazy stuff happening. And that's always kind of like, if not first, like second on his mind, you know, and it, very much his driving force in episode seven too. Right. Like he, yeah. he wanted to get, away like he didn't even want to be involved in the fight he's trying to get away and then uh they come and they take ray and then he's all in again you know he's not he's not in to really help the resistance i don't think he really cares that much about what they're doing it seems he's more interested in in ray right well i guess most most principally is when he's about to just take a uh what is it called an uh it's, it's like a escape, escape, pod. escape pod um to to prevent Ray from coming back to this disaster <laughs> yeah. and screw everybody else, you know? So yeah. we'll talk about that more as we go, because that yeah. there's another problem that comes in around Finn and his story that I think people just don't really understand. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep going on before that. we hit this fuel problem. I, that first scene, I really don't have anything else to say about that other than that is, that is a complaint you hear. And that's one complaint that I'm, 
I'm not entirely against. Like I can see the argument for that, but like it, it's a movie. You kind of have to create stakes sometimes. I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not as opposed to that complaint as some of these other complaints we'll get into. Yeah. I really like, I love that first scene, that opening scene with the bombers and with. Why DBA. are they flying so close together? <laughs> it seems like a really bad idea. You know, I, I don't, who, who am I to say how defense in space should work? You know, space um, force. So, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy just that a whole, I, I put battle in quotation marks in my notes because it's not really a battle so much. Like they're obviously going to lose, but it's almost just like, can they at least get some kind of win out of this yeah. enormous loss? I think it does a great job of setting the stage for how, when you really think about it, this movie is pretty bleak. And from the outset, I mean, they lose so much in that opening scene. And yeah, they take out this huge ship, but the first warrior probably has like five more of those ships somewhere, you know I mean? And you come to find out immediately or pretty soon after this scene, they have 400 people on these three ships that are left and that's it. That's the entire resistance. Um, so I feel like as far as setting the stage and creating the stakes, it's pretty bleak for, for this group of resistance right now. Right. I mean, kind of not going so well, even though they're coming off of a big win in in episode seven, it is very similar. I think in the, the way the empire strikes back follows a new hope. Like they come off this win, but like, okay, you're still really outnumbered and outgunned here. And you, you, you get a glimpse of that here in this opening scene. It was so fun in, in the theaters, especially like, I, again, because I just don't recall a Star Wars movie opening with such a dramatic, like, just right from the start, we're going um, full stop. And, you know, it, it's a lot to take in that, that quickly. As far, as far as the fuel goes, like, I have no problem with the fact that fuel matters here where it hasn't mattered before. Like, they just didn't talk about it before. That's fine. I almost feel like, well, shouldn't it have ever mattered before? It's like, Seems like fuel would be a thing. I, so I, I have no problem with, with the conceit that is, that is used. All right, then we jump to Luke and uh, Octu back to the island. And this is, I think this is when I was like, all right, I'm on board. I'm totally in. Just the way they completely subvert expectations right from the start here with Luke and Ray. Because that's, that's the whole thing at the end, right? Of, of episode seven is, Oh man, like he, she finally, they finally find him and you don't even hear anything from him. And then you're just left for two years, you know, like wondering in your head, like what, what's going to happen? Like what, what are they going to talk about? And it, it, it's all right here. Ryan Johnson's just coming out saying, Hey, this is, uh, this is not going to go like you think it's going to go. First thing Luke does when he gets the lightsaber is just tosses it over his shoulder. He just has no interest at all in doing anything or seeing anybody on this island. And um, one thing that was really strange to me, and I don't, I still don't really know what it means, is after she gets there, like he immediately changes from these white robes into these really like dark 
kind of kind of like morning robes or something. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm just trying to read some deeper meaning into it, but he just he immediately goes to his little, his little shack and changes clothes, you know, to these, to these dark robes. And I'm, I love Hermit Luke. I know a lot of people, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make him sound like it's a lot of people or a majority of fans, but that's a major complaint in this movie. And we'll, we'll keep going on it throughout is, People don't like this Luke. Like they feel like this isn't their Luke. Even, even to the point of of Mark Hamill, like made some some noise before the movie came out of like this was really hard for me, and um, it just was such a different take on the character than I thought it would be, and um, and and I would argue as we go that this is <laughs> like this is the Luke. If you just really think about it, like if you think and reflect on what's happened in the previous movies, and like you said earlier, 30 years has passed, and we have no idea what's happened to him in 30 years. We're going to get some some bits as we go, but just to expect him to be the exact same feels wrong to me. Like I don't understand why people would expect someone to be exactly how they remember them 30 years later. Well, I, I think he makes a great point pretty soon after that. I think it may be in the second scene where they go back um, to Ray and Luke, where like he didn't go to the most remote place in this sprawling world on accident, and he didn't go there because somebody forced him to. So no, like he's not really interested in being found. He's not really interested in going to help anybody because he doesn't see how it could help anybody. I feel like when he throw when he tosses the lightsaber, that initially. Everybody feels like, well, like the Luke Skywalker I know, the Luke Skywalker I've seen in three movies so far would never do something like that. So at that point, I feel like Ryan Johnson, to a certain extent, kind of needs to prove, okay, like why would Luke Skywalker at this point do that? And I feel like he totally does that as the, as the movie goes on. I mean, you see kind of what led to Luke just saying, you know what, like, just put, put me off. Like, I'm just going remote. And that's actually for the best. No, it's not like because, because I just like hate you guys and I, I you know, <laughs> yeah. screw the resistance. It's like, you know, I, I think this is best for the resistance is for me to be, uh, to me or be a recluse. It reminds me a little bit, just had this thought just about five minutes ago. So we're workshopping a little bit, but it reminds me a little bit of Obama. When he left office and like that first year, of like just, most presidents do, but like lots of people were calling on him not to be like most presidents. He just kind of went, did his own thing, you know, didn't stay really politically involved and said to a great extent at the time that like, I shouldn't have to stay really involved. There should be other people that can do just as good a job as, as me. And if I stay involved, then it just prevents those people from feeling like they need to step up and feeling like they need to be the leader. And I feel like Luke feels a lot the same way where, I mean, when he talks about being a legend, that people look at you as a legend. And so they just expect that, well, then you're automatically our leader and you automatically um, should be in this, in this position. I automatically should not be in that position. And he's just trying to get out of the way because he's seen how it could go when he's treated that way. He doesn't want to be treated that way, but he doesn't really see, himself being treated any other way if he if he 
is part of the resistance. And really, like at the end of the movie, he's pretty much treated that way. And, you know, it's just doing it in a little bit different ways. So. We, we destroyed two Death Stars. What, what more do you want from me? I mean, come on. I, I gave you eight years of service. Let me go uh, spend time with my wife for a little bit. That was Obama, not Luke, in case you were confused. Um, I, I was confused. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah, he had a wife? What? Um, although it, this, it does destroy me when Chewbacca, like, tears his door down and and they name drop the Falcon and, and Luke is like, where's Han? Uh, I hate that. I hate that scene every time. And that is one thing that... I th- I can kind of get on board with people that are that don't like this new you know this new Star Wars of man we never got a scene of the three of them together like that original three you know and obviously we're never going to now um, but that is kind of hard like the fact that Luke has gone on this exile for whatever reason we don't even really know at this point um, but that he wasn't there to help Han like that does kind of it does kind of hurt. Like he wouldn't. I mean, you know, there was no helping Han. That's true. Han, I mean, Han made his Han own had, choices. Han had to do what Han had to do. Yeah. I, oh man, I know we're talking about the Last Jedi, but that scene. Oh man, when he when he calls him Ben for the first time, like you don't know what his name is. Yeah. Oh man, we might come back to that a little bit later. I got got a note in here somewhere about that. Uh, speaking of Ben. We flash over to uh, our our buddy Kylo Ren, and Kylo is straight up shook, to use a term the the kids use. He's uh he's not not things aren't going so well for him uh, after his little encounter with Ray, and he comes into the room with Snoke. We finally see Snoke in person. We'd only seen hologram Snoke in the previous movie, and uh, I love this line that Snoke he says this, and you think he's talking about Hux. He's really talking about Kylo, and Kylo just doesn't realize it yet, but weakness properly manipulated can be a sharp tool. Uh, I think eventually Kylo's going to realize that this is really talking about him, but uh, at the moment he thinks he's talking about Hux. And, man, Snoke just, like, lays into him. First, he says, take off that ridiculous mask, which is, like, totally a meta thing, I feel like. You know, I don't know. Most people were probably... I felt like, why does he wear this this mask? Like the whole that was a whole thing in episode seven. He wants to be like his grandfather and whatever. You know, he doesn't need it like his grandfather. His grandfather needed the mask so he could, you know, stay alive. Kylo doesn't need this mask, Um, and boy, does he get rid of the mask (laughs) in a little bit later. Um, But yeah, man, he this little this uh, they kind of revisit the whole Han Solo thing because he. He even tells him, like, you've got too much of your father's spirit in you. And he's like, but I killed my father. And, he, and Snoke's like, yeah, and it, look, at, look at you now. <laughs> You're totally damaged goods to me now at this point. Um, what are your thoughts on Kylo as, as a villain? Uh, just kind of overall, because this is our second movie with him. And he's, he is such a different villain than what we've had in you know, the original trilogy for sure. He's, he's not a Darth Vader. Um, well, I don't want to give away my thoughts. What are your thoughts on, on Kylo Ren two movies in? I, I like him as a character. I think it's interesting to see how he develops. I think his development in, in this movie is particularly interesting. Um, especially 
just around he and Ray and, and wanting to just kind of start this whole new thing. Um, to a certain extent, I think because he understands that like he can't really measure up to like the previous leaders, the previous Darth Lords and uh, Ray to a great extent, like doesn't feel like she can measure up to like what Luke Skywalker was. And so, but anyways, I mean, Kylo Ren, I, I think he's a good character. I, I think it's interesting just how, well, it's interesting how young he is, but I guess, I mean, Anakin is not younger than he was when he initially becomes Darth Vader. Now, when we meet Darth Vader in the real trilogy, then he's he's obviously like seasoned yeah. at that point. So I, I I guess that like that's how I think of Darth Vader. And that's not where we're seeing Kylo Ren at yet. Kylo know? Ren is unstable as right. all no, get absolutely. out. Right? But, yeah. but you see, I mean, you know, I mean it's it's canon, so it is what it is. But like in episode three, like Darth Vader's not exactly stable. That <laughs> is at his birth, I think that's either. A so, pretty accurate statement, Philip. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, the, the dark side is not stable. I mean, it's interesting that's just how, how how often they are in power. You know, I mean, the dark side is always kind of the the winning force to a great extent um, globally. Obviously, there are these there are these little huge victories for the Republic or the resistance or, or whatever it may be. But for the most part, like, eh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the world is still run by, you know, the empire or the, the, what are they, what are they called? Not the dark order. They called the it? first order. First order. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh man. Kanan at one point, as we were watching today, he said, dad, this really should have been called the first order strikes back. And I'm like, dude, you're so wise. You you totally see. Like you understand that this is, you know, this is the Empire Strikes Back to the Force Awakens being a new hope, right? It's I don't think these movies are all that similar. Like a lot of people coming in, you think, "Oh, this is the second movie in this trilogy, so it's it's got a lot to live up to because Empire is arguably most people's favorite Star Wars movie." Um and in a lot, in some ways, it is very empire-ish, but in a lot of other ways, I don't think it think it is. But it just it totally cracked me up that he said, that. "Like this should be called the First Order Strikes Back." That's a, a good point, Kanan. Solid point for a seven year old. Um, this is problem number two, I think, that you hear from dissenters of this movie is that they don't like Kylo Ren. They don't like his emo, very immature, you know, nature in these movies. And this is probably one of my more unpopular opinions. And I, I felt this way even with The Force Awakens, is that these characters across the board are more interesting characters, I think, than anything that we got, with the exception of maybe Han, um, from that original set in the original trilogy. Like, Luke is super whiny, <laughs> like, all the time, especially in A New Hope, right? Like... He's really not any that much different than Kylo, except you know he's on the good side and not not the dark side. Um, but when I think about the villains, Darth Vader is not that interesting. He's awesome, 
like he's a total BA, right? Like he's he is the villain. I mean, he's what you think of when you think of a a a real villain in a movie. But in terms of conflict and interest, Darth Vader is not interesting until you get to like the last 30 minutes of Return of the Jedi. And you don't really know all that much about him. I think Kylo is so much more interesting in, in a sense of you can see what his motivations are. Um, you can like understand where things are coming from and you can kind of see a way for him. Although by the end of this movie, I don't know like what's next for him. I think they kind of, I think they're a little more definitive than some might say on, in terms of, well, can he be turned? Because that's, that's the whole thing, right? That's what we saw with Darth Vader. That's what you kind of expect with Kylo Ren. Like Ray's going to save. She even thinks in this movie that she's going to be able to do that. I feel like they're a lot more definitive at the end of this movie than, than you might've thought coming into it. But unpopular opinion. I think Kylo Ren is more interesting as a character than Darth Vader. Now, I'm not saying that he's a better villain, but I think he's a more interesting villain than Darth Vader because Darth Vader is just kind of one note until the very end. But, you know, that one note's pretty awesome. And I would love to see them do a movie that's basically the last 90 seconds of Rogue One. They should just do that movie <laughs> with, Darth, with Darth Vader. I guess of all Kylo Ren's many notes... None of them are obviously as good as the note that Darth Vader plays. Yeah, you know, and so I, I, th- I think there, there is that, like that creates this feeling of lack between Kylo Ren as the Darth Lord and and Darth Vader. But I, I do just think like we're entering the story at a different time. Like even though the Force Awakens is so much Star Wars, you know, Episode Four. It, it's still very different for the characters involved because they're kind of, there are a lot more young characters. I mean, Skywalker is really the only young character and, and Leia, the Skywalkers are really the only, the only two young characters involved in episode four and kind of the, the beginning of what we know mm-hmm. as the Republic. And there are just, everybody is young other than, other than Leia really in episode seven. It seems like everybody is young and is going to be just kind of maturing throughout the whole trilogy and maybe even, maybe even another. Well, and Han too. Yeah. And Han. Yes. Yes. Oh man. So Luke doesn't want to help. <laughs> I love that. He, he tells her like, what did you think I was going to do? Just going to walk out there with a laser sword and take down the, the whole first order. Well, funny you say that Luke, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, problem number three. This isn't really uh, as big of a problem as like the first two have been, but I think it's it's a very st- st- stark point of really bothering people, and that's uh, Luke drinking straight from the the cow like creature. Which <laughs> I just I don't know, man. Maybe something's wrong with me, but like I just every time they were like, "Hey, we're gonna show you that this Luke is." You know, basically not the Luke you were expecting anymore. He's Hermit Hermit Luke, man. He's just living his life out here, getting his fish, getting his milk. And uh, I, I think I sent you a gift uh, a few days ago. Um, or it was, a, it was actually on my time hop from a year ago of, you know, 
him drinking that milk and winking and it says fanboy tears. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. Um, his face when he rides that pole over to the other side of the wall, when he looks back at Ray, total Yoda face, right? If you think back to Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Yoda was such a such a weird character. And and I feel like they kind of get some of that vibe with with this hermit Luke here on the island. And and I just I love that. I love I love all the <clears throat> I love all this just strange characters in Star Wars. Like to me, that's one of the great things about Star Wars is that it's not just uh it's not just a space opera where there happen to be just like, you know, hyperspeed and, you know, all this kind of technology, even though they don't seem to have cell phones and you got to carry things. To- it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> right. In a galaxy. Far, far away. Far, far away. So it's really interesting to me just the, the wild characters that are in Star Wars. And I, I love when there's just a new wild character. I mean. And it's a character that you you've known for a long time. He's just he's just different now. But no, Philip, characters cannot change. They cannot be different. Sorry, let's keep coming. I just say these things that produce milk. They're just like <laughs> oh, that's what odd, you're talking about. <laughs> odd as can be. Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. the whole time. You're talking about Luke suddenly being a crazy old man, uh, hermit on this. On no, this just island. like that, and the porgs. Is that what oh, they're called? Well, the porgs are the little yeah, like yeah, bird creatures. But then you've got the caretakers too. Oh, the caretakers are great. <laughs> oh like man, the yeah, I love the toad character. Awesome. Love them. People hate the caretakers too. I don't, I don't understand. People just are mad at this movie. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just keep going. Uh, he, he straight up tells Ray, like, listen, I, I came to this island to die. Like, that's why I came here. You, you mentioned it earlier too. Like, obviously, he came here by choice, and his choice was to, to get away. Um, and he's just flat out telling her, like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna teach you. Uh, Quick cut over to Poe. He gets demoted by, uh, by I want to say Carrie Fisher, but that's not her name. By the way, first time you see Carrie Fisher, man, it's just like going into this movie, it was a, it was a different experience just because of that. Some too, right? Like the fact that, you know, Carrie Fisher obviously had died like almost a year before. And that was just, man, that was kind of, kind of hard seeing her several times throughout, but especially that first time you see her. I don't know if you knew this, but I think she was, I think she helped kind of like doctor the script a little bit. And she's done that throughout her career. She's been brought in as a script doctor before, but I think she helped with, with uh, some of the, just some of the, the conversation or dialogue between characters. And I think you really see it here when she tells him to get your head out of your cockpit. That sounds like something that uh, Carrie Fisher would say. Did it you, does. you ever watch 30 Rock? I, I have watched 30 Rock. There's a crazy episode with Carrie Fisher. I don't think I've seen that episode. That you should go back and watch because I'm pretty sure she was not acting <laughs> in that in that episode. Um, and she tells him, hey, or he says there there were heroes on that mission. She she says, dead heroes, no leaders, which, man, General Leia, she's a, she's a smart gal. They should probably listen to her uh, more. We get our first, I don't know, I don't know if it's the first point of conflict for Kylo in, in, this, in this movie, but he has a chance, man. They're coming in. They're coming in hard. They take out pretty much their whole fleet. He comes in and blows them all up, except for Poe. 
and then he has the chance. He he's got like that force connection going on with Leia. Has the chance to throw the throw the the gauntlet down on his mother, and he doesn't do it. Here, you know, obviously we know what he's done to his father and how awful that was. Has the same chance here to do it to his his mom and and doesn't do it, which I think, especially now that you know Carrie Fisher's dead and we don't know exactly how that's going to play itself out in in episode nine. Oh, they they have come out. Well, first of all, are you like avoiding all? Types of spoilers. We already talked about this on a previous. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We did. Yeah. So, you know, they're somehow using previous footage to have her in episode nine on, you know, unknown how much she'll be in it, but, um, it just does. I think it, it kind of leads to interesting things for Kylo because I don't know, like I could just see that being the, the crucial point of his unraveling (laughs) losing her knowing seeing especially seeing here that like he couldn't he couldn't do it right mm-hmm. he, he does have some kind of of limit on what what he's able to do um this is problem number 4 philip <laughs> if you're keeping track at home problem number 4 is force leia i and this might be like one of the top complaints that i heard about this movie after you know after it came out and you started talking with people um Man, people do not like. I don't think that it's that they don't like that she used the force. I think they just don't like how it happened. And maybe I'm reading that wrong. Like you hear the term Mary Poppins thrown around a lot, which is funny because now we do have a Mary Poppins movie out this uh, this December. Um, it's like this built-in force defense mechanism. Like she's always been force sensitive, and we've known that from previous movies. Uh, and like we just saw it a second ago <laughs> when she made that connection and knew that Kylo was, was near, uh, but she's never used it to this extent. I kind of think it's cool that the way it, the way it plays itself out is, is like I said, it's like a, like this defense mechanism. She, I feel like she could have been a Jedi if she had wanted to, but she, she thought her skills were better used to be, you know, involved politically or become a general to try and help there. But still, it's like it's there somewhere inside of her and it comes out like when she needs it and when she can't, you know, I guess express it herself. Like it just comes out and she floats back like Mary Poppins to the, to the ship. Um, I don't hate it as much as people do, but I know this is like a really, this is really a sticking point for a lot of people is this whole force Leia flying back to the ship. It's odd. <laughs> but... I don't. I don't feel ill about it. I, yeah. But but I mean, it's it's obviously not normal. It's not what you would expect, even even as you've seen the force. We see used a, f- a throughout, few throughout Star Wars. We see a few new ways that the force is used in this movie, and this is this is one of them. Um, I I get that people don't like it, and I can see why people don't like it. Um, I think I'm probably in the minority here, but I I kind of I kind of like this scene. I think what makes me like it though, not necessarily even what it was or what she did, but is the fact that they had a chance. Like they obviously had an out that they could have gone back and kind of reworked the script if they had wanted to, right? At this point, they could have just said it was already there, right? It was just there and gift wrapped for them. They could have said, oh, you know what? 
Leia doesn't survive this. She dies. Um, and that's it. And they didn't, man. Like, they didn't go back and change that. And so I think that's probably more why I like it than necessarily me liking what it was and what she did. It's just the fact that they're like, you know what? No, this is our movie. We're not going back. We're not, you know, just because she died, we're not going to go back and, and which would have been, it would have been hard to do. It would have cost a lot of money, I'm sure, to go back and, and redo that. But it probably would have been the easy out, right? To come back and say, oh, you know, she's dead. You know, we're not going to have her for episode nine. We'll just go back and kind of rework this, this little area here and, and but I mean they would have had to reshoot a lot of things, especially that last sequence. Right. Um, but I don't know, man. They had they had a way to do it and they chose to stay with, with the story they had originally. So Mary Poppins uh forced Leia. Man. I hear a lot of people a lot of people that I talk to are like, that I just can't do that. Just can't do that. A lot of porg humor. I don't know where you land on the porgs. But I kind of, I kind of like them. Like the scene with uh, Chewbacca. Getting, love that scene. Getting ready to eat a, a nice juicy porg. It looked good. I mean, you know, I, I'd, yeah. I'd be interested in that. And then of course they like start nesting in the Millennium Falcon. I don't know what all that's about. Uh, but they keep hitting that pretty hard throughout. I just feel like that's that's one of their like, hey, we need some child humor in here somewhere. Uh, and I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, I don't hate the pork humor. This leads into Luke on the Millennium Falcon, which is one of my one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Although I don't know, I think we've talked about this before. I'm I'm trying to avoid episode nine stuff as much as I can. Obviously, the cast announcement we talked about that, but anytime I see a story on any type of social media, I just keep on scrolling. I'm trying to keep. I really want to go in as as blind as I can. But this was one of the scenes that we saw like days before the movie came out. There was this little, you know, 15 second promo where you see him in the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, oh man, that would have been cool to, to not know that that was going to happen going in. But um, R2-D2, man, coming in, saving the day, coming in hot. <laughs> As Luke just tells him like, hey, nothing's going to change my mind. And then he plays the what 40 year old hologram message of, of princess Leia. And, uh, you know, Luke tells him that's a cheap move, but it does make him, does make him change his mind to a degree. He's still going into this with Ray from the standpoint of, I'm going to teach you, but I'm going to teach you so that you know why I'm right. Not, not that I'm going to teach you to help you. I'm going to teach you so that you know that I'm, I'm right. That the Jedi should, should end. Uh, problem number five, we'll just real quick here because I don't have strong feelings about this. But problem number five, did Admiral Akbar really go out like that? Like he just dies off screen? We don't even see it? Like he just dies when Leia, you know, the, the, the main, whatever they call that, the concourse or whatever, the bridge gets blown up. Just Akbar's just gone, man. It's a trap. He's just gone. I could have done with a better end. I agree. I agree, but I'm just not... I'm just not tied to it like a lot of people are. Yeah, it would have been nice. Like, did he really have to go out like that? I mean, we don't even see it. Like, he's just gone. He's just, I mean, he just gets a mention uh, when they introduce a uh, purple hair lady, <laughs> Admiral Holdo. Um, and Holdo has no time for Poe. She's just 
doesn't have any time for fly, fly boys like like Poe. This is, I think, this leads to another problem that we're probably not going to talk about much. But just the whole like, why doesn't she tell him the plan? You know, like it just seems like they're just trying to stay out in front as much as they can. But eventually, they're going to run out of fuel. But it turns out she does have a plan, but she doesn't tell Poe. And then Poe basically performs treason. It's just why didn't they just hash this stuff out? Like, why did they have to not figure this out together? I, I don't know. I, well, I mean, I think it was far from only Poe that she didn't tell her plan to, though. True. It seems like she was just really close to the vest and just had this this mindset of leadership. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you my plan for you to do what I ask you to do. And so if you're not going to do what I ask you to do, then, like, got no time for you. you got no time. And I don't, the way I kind of play that in my head is like, maybe they thought that, I mean, because again, they didn't know how they were figuring out where they were jumping to in, 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 after going to light speed, but they knew, somehow they knew, the first order knew where they were. So it could have been like, well, maybe someone, maybe we have like a mole somewhere on the ship. And so we're not going to tell what we're doing. I mean, I can kind of play that off, but it's just, I don't know, it's just a frustrating thing that. I, I actually was kind of frustrated with myself. Um, Finn meets Rose. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, Rose, we see her sister in the opening scene. She, you know, dies in this <laughs> horrific uh, opening scene. But hey, they... they she they, bombs them. They they beat the dreadnought. Woohoo! Everybody she gets that dies. remote down. She does. Um, very, very dramatic framing. Again, just stuff we've never seen in a Star Wars movie that I thought was kind of cool. Um... Rose cracks me up because, you know, she is very intimidated by, by Finn, and like, just doesn't know what to do. And then, but then she t- turns into a total G because she's like, once she realizes that he's trying to get out, she she has no time for Finn. I mean, she's like, she holdos Finn like uh, Holdo did to to Poe. Um, and then they have this weird, like, nerdy connection over trying to figure out how. They were tracking them. Of course, this leads to their whole side story that they go on, um, which will lead us into our next problem here in a little bit. But um, I'm just, I feel like they're trying to force this whole Rose and Finn relationship, and I'm just not on board with it in any shape or form. Um, Me and my wife have pretty strong disagreements about what's happening here, but uh, don't want to talk too much about that now because that stuff's going to come up later. But Rose, like, I think I feel bad for Rose because I feel like she just kind of, she falls under this problem of there's just too many characters and they don't really have enough time to devote to everyone. And and then the way their story kind of plays out, people just feel like it wasn't even necessary. Although I have strong disagreements with that that we'll get into. Um, I don't know. I just feel bad for Rose because I feel like they're trying to do something fun here with Rose. I like how they have these other characters that come up and have these moments to be heroic besides the ones we all know, right? Um, but I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of Rose and I don't know. I don't know what it, maybe it's because I don't want her to end up with Finn. Maybe that's my only reason is that I don't want, I don't want a, a Rin or, uh, that's really the only couple name i can think of off the top of my head for them i don't know i don't know what's wrong with me why don't i like rose they could be foes foes <laughs> i like that 
I'm just saying it's an option. I, I, I really like Rose as a character. I, I think she, that she shows, and this is obviously this rogue mission that she and Finn go on, but, but shows that part of the charm to me about Star Wars is that characters will just like take over. Like they don't need to be told that they're important enough to go on an important mission. They, they just want to help and they figure out a way they think they can help and they just, they just go for it. So it's not always that you have to be like the person in charge or, you know, the pilot that's, that's leading everybody. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the story of like, even somebody like Admiral Akbar, who, you know, earlier on is not like the guy. Um, but you know, there's, there's all sorts of different characters that just obviously have a lot to, lot to offer and they, they like to play their part. And-, and I think this is something that the new trilogy does or the sequel trilogy, if you want to call it does better than the other movies have done is that it does actually give meaningful moments to these side characters and like gives them a time to shine. Yeah. I mean, obviously it takes two and a half hours. <laughs> right, to do right, that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you know, unless you were going to be gone with the wind back in, back in those days, back in the original trilogy, at least, um, then, you know, I don't, I don't know how long those movies are, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're any longer. Than Gone two. with the Wind? No, the, the original trilogy. <laughs> Gone with the Wind was long. Gone with the Wind was two VHS tapes, man. And intermission and everything. I think all of them were over two hours. I mean, this was, The Last Jedi is the longest Star Wars movie at two hours and 32 minutes. Um, it's it's the granddaddy of them all. And it and it and that is probably my biggest complaint with the movie is that it's too long. And I think there are definitely places you could trim and still get the effect of the character development you're looking for. And the mission that, that Rose and Finn go on, I think is a perfect example of an area that could have been significantly trimmed and still got the purpose, which the purpose to me was Finn learning and really committing to a side here. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the whole point of this little side mission they go on. I mean, it's, they have this red herring of like, hey, we've got to find this code breaker so that we can break in and disable their tracker so that we can get away from them. Like, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, they don't even find the right code breaker. They end up finding this other random guy that just happened to be in a cell with them, which that totally drives me crazy. This, this whole coincidence of them being in the same cell, which I don't know, was it really coincidence or was it not? I, I, that whole little side story kind of makes me crazy because the the real point of it is Finn realizing, oh, like I really need to pick a side and and really be all in. Like he even thinks he's he's all in, but he's really not, right? I mean, this DJ character that they run into, they have this whole thing with him and Finn where, um, you know, he's showing them like Finn thinks, oh. We're, at least I'm helping the good guys. And, and this guy shows them like, uh, well, I mean, these people sell to both sides. So, I mean, like there really is no good side. And, and by the end of this whole experience, Finn is like, no, there you're wrong. Like there is, this isn't just business. You're wrong. Like there is a right side to be on. And, and he makes that commitment. So that, that's, I don't know what problem number that is. Well, problem number six is, is that whole mission to Canto bite. Because I feel like people complain that 
it serves no end. Like it's really just meaningless because the whole point they go there doesn't even pan out and, and they don't even find the right person. And, and then when they finally do get on the ship to, to turn off the tracker, they just get betrayed. And it's like, there's no point. That's what people say. There's no point to this whole side mission. They could have just cut the whole thing out. And I don't agree fully. Like, I, I think there is a point, And I just laid that out of, of what I think the point is with, with Finn, but they could have cut out like all this rampaging through the streets on these weird dog pony creatures. I don't, I don't like, I don't, what is the point in all of this? I, I don't know. Like I, I would have been fine. They could have cut off like half of that storyline and still got the point across for Finn, like still got his character development moment um, without, you know, there's even a point where he says something like, it was worth it though to tear up that town and make them hurt. No, no, it wasn't. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, it, was a, it was a terrible, it was not terrible, worth it. Uh, segment of dialogue because right after that, Rose lets the, <laughs> yeah, lets takes the, the like man or very, very large mammal horse yeah. creature, takes the saddle off so that the creature can run free and says, no, now it's worth it. It's like, no, no, no. it's not it's terrible. <laughs> but I, <laughs> So I can forgive the Canto Bite escapades to a large degree because one of the things I just really like about Star Wars is almost this, almost an element of like a, an open world video game where I just want to explore the universe some. And if we just focus on the mission and the battle between the the two sides and the two ships, then then you don't get to explore the the universe very much. You get to explore the characters, but you don't really see what this world is is like. So I like that element of it. Um, it does seem like there's there's some shaving they could have done to keep it a little more a little more focused. But I don't know. I mean, watching it today, like I, I enjoyed watching those scenes. So. I don't really have large complaints about it. Out of anything that is in this movie, the thing that feels the most prequel-like to me is just all of that stuff on Canto Bite. Like it even feels like kind of pod racing when they're on the. On the that, that's not the bad part about the prequels. Like yes, yes, I think it feels a little prequel-ish, but it's not the. I mean, it's not like the the Senate proceedings <laughs> and you know the the trade wars and uh, I mean all that stuff. You know, I, I think all, I mean, you, you see all the different characters and just the, you know, the, the creativity that they can bring out in those casino scenes. Um, I, I enjoy that. You know, the, the little creature that uh, thinks that BB-8 is a slot machine or whatever that was uh, captured by Mark Hamill. He, he did the, oh, the right. like, uh, and you know, whatever they call it, the, <laughs> what, do, what do they call that when they put the motion dots and stuff on. Oh him. yeah. I don't know. I can't think of it either. Anyway, he, that was, that was Mr. Mark Hamill. So. <laughs> um, back on Octu, we've got a few different things going on here. Uh, number one, force timing is a thing. Now this is a second new, well, it's not really new cause we've kind of seen parts of it where characters can kind of have this connection with each other, um, over long distances, but nothing to this, this, um, extent where they're like they can actually see each other Kylo says though I can only see you I can't see your surroundings um, why are they not more suspicious of this like 
I mean, I know why they're not because they're just they're just not thinking about that, right? Like they're obviously both being played, but they just don't realize it. I just feel like they should be more suspicious of this when it immediately starts happening, but they're they're just not. Uh, Kylo does say, you know, you're not doing this. The effort would kill you, which is some you know foreshadowing for later. So I like how they. This movie's more tight than people would make it out to be. Like just little things like that where you can go back later and say, oh no, I mean they were like totally laying these things out, laying the groundwork to get to the to the end. Um then so we've got this force force timing, which I love. Uh, you know, little FaceTime force timing. Um then we start having our lessons. Luke tells her they're gonna have three lessons. Um, to prove why Luke is right. Lesson one is the force is not a power. It's the energy between all things. Um, and, and I love what he tells her, you know, like he, he's, he's totally trying to explain like, listen, the Jedi, we don't own the force. Like this isn't, this isn't something that we own. And it's, it's vanity to think that if we go away, that the force goes away too. Like we don't own, we have no proprietorship over the force, like it belongs to to everyone. Um, Ray is having this moment where she's like trying to reach out and, and experience the force. And she's seeing things on the Island. Um, uh, and then she goes to this dark place on the Island and, uh, you know, starts to cause some problems. Um, and Luke is freaking out because he obviously knows about this place. Like he's not, this is where, um, you know, the the Jedi like started, right? I mean, you find that out a little bit earlier when they go to that little library cave thing, or I guess it's a tree. Um, so he he knows what's going on on this island, and it's it's kind of like this test, right? And she just she just goes straight for it. She wants to know, like, it, there's something there. She feels like something is trying to be revealed to her. She wants to know. And it freaks him out, you know. He's having flashbacks to his PTSD with 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 Ben, Ben Solo. Um, and this is where we also get the revelation that she's like, "Hey, I didn't see you. I didn't. I didn't feel you at all." Like, basically, oh, that that's what you've done. You've completely closed yourself off from the Force, which to me makes me feel better about Episode Seven. You know, because the to be like one of these fanboys, the Luke I know would go and help his friends, right? Even if it meant putting other bigger things at jeopardy. We we saw that in 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 The Empire Strikes Back when he leaves his training early, and Yoda's like, "Don't do this! Like you're gonna you're gonna regret this." Um, but if he had completely closed him, himself off to the Force, then I feel better, even though it still feels bad. But I feel better that like he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that like Han and Leia and them were in trouble and just ignored it. Like he had completely he had no way of knowing because of what he had done. So I mean it's still kind of bad, but I don't know. It's it makes me feel somewhat better about how episode seven plays out. Cause it's like, man, where's Luke? Why didn't Luke come in and, and save the day? Well, we get this revelation here that he has completely closed himself off or who knows how long and had no idea, you know, had no connection to anything outside. I also want to talk here about the importance of names because I'm kind of weird when it comes to names. I could, my children have weird names. If you didn't know, um, 
But I love how she always calls him Kylo when when she's around Luke, like until a certain point. Um, she refers to him as Kylo Ren, but Luke only ever refers to him as Ben Solo. And it's like this really cool thing to me of like Luke, even though he has given up, somewhere in his mind he hasn't given up on him because she, he's still referring to him as Ben Solo. Maybe he never even knew that his name was, like he changed his name to Kylo. I don't know. Uh, but she always calls him Kylo Ren until later when they have their final force time call. Well, it's not technically their final force time call, but when they have their real force time connection, um, then she starts calling him Ben because she feels like she thinks there's still a chance for him to uh, to change. I don't know. Just a like, nice little detail in these movies that I, I really like. And, and it just kind of harkens back to, well, you know, Han didn't call him Kylo Ren. You know, he called him Ben because he was Ben Solo to him. Uh, kind of tugs at the, the, the dad heart in me a little bit. But problem number six, we talked about Canto Bite. Let's keep going. Uh, lesson two, the legacy of the Jedi is failure. <laughs> he doesn't say anything that's not true in this, in his little, he reels off like all these things about, uh, you know, we're responsible for Darth Vader. <laughs> like, um, everything we've ever done has basically failed. And, you know, and it doesn't, hadn't even revealed his story really yet. He, he's about to. Um, he doesn't say anything that's not true, although she kind of gets him because she says, well, yeah, the Jedi were responsible for creating Darth Vader, but a Jedi also saved him. She's, she kind of knows what, she knows what to do. She knows how to, how to pull in here. And, um, this is the core of Luke's story to me is we find out is that he, and you talked about it some earlier, like he's this legend, right? Like everybody is expecting, he's got all these expectations around him because of what he's done and who he is. But then he has this point of complete failure that spawns, you know, Kylo Ren out of what he was, he was trying to create something great, right? He took these students and, and was trying to rebuild uh, the Jedi. And then it just, he fails and it fails spectacularly. And as someone who like can, can relate to that on some level of like not wanting to fail and being afraid to fail. And then just kind of trying to avoid maybe doing things where I'm not comfortable or where I think I might fail. I can kind of relate to Luke, although, you know, I haven't done anything this <laughs> disastrous, but I get it. Like I get I can understand where he would get to a point of like, this was my most important thing that I was ever trying to do. And it failed so hard that I just, I can't live with it. Like, I just think everyone's better off if I just completely go away so that I don't ever do this again. Um, it's also interesting here. Cause you start to see like, he tells his side of the story and then later you, you get uh, Kylo's side of the story, and then you get a third, what is presented to be the actual way it played out, but it's still coming from Luke. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm, I'm still even the third time where we see what we think is more of what happened. I don't know. There's still some leeway there because, again, it is Luke telling 
hey, this is what really happened. You know, what I told you the first time, you know, maybe I kind of sugarcoated a little bit. Um, those scenes kind of creep me out when he's, especially the second one when you see Luke's face. <laughs> Luke's straight up crazy. Kanan can't watch that scene. Whenever that scene comes up, he like kind of covers his ears and looks away because he doesn't like seeing his Luke like that. He's this crazy, crazy man. Um, but he he flat out says, I failed because I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, a legend. Mark Hamill is so good in this movie. I, I think, I mean, granted, he hasn't done like a whole lot since Star Wars. Um, but I think he's the best he's ever been in these movies, in, in this movie, in terms of like him having something really meaty to do and like really display that he's a good actor. Like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like he's had a lot of really fun, fun. He has, has had fun things to do in these other movies, but it's been pretty one note until, until this point. Yeah. He, he's a really good Luke Skywalker in that original trilogy, but I don't know that he's a really good actor in that original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, have you ever, well, I've been trying to get you to play these, uh, these Batman games after your, your Spider-Man games, he does the voice for the Joker in these Batman games, which originally he was the voice of the Joker in the animated series. So it's not like new, but he is straight up nutso as a, I mean, you know, anyone that plays the Joker is, is probably nuts, but uh, you should, if you don't, even if you don't play them, you should go look up some YouTube clips and just hear him as the Joker. Cause it, I don't know. Like I just have mad respect for him, and um, he, he, he. Mark Hamill has you know makes no doubts about his political allegiances. So if you've ever followed him on Twitter, he's he's very very left. Um, but he even like a year ago uh, released a clip of him reading uh, Donald Trump quotes, but as the Joker voice. <laughs> it's it's a trip, man. You should. Uh, you should you should go check it out if you if you never heard him do that because it's it it gives you a new respect for uh for what he can do. Um, one important thing to note here is we don't get a third lesson. He he tells her, "I'll give you three lessons." We get lesson one, we get lesson two. Then Luke opens himself back up to the Force. He force times with Leia apparently, <laughs> and. Uh, um, we don't ever get this opportunity for this third lesson because he kind of walks in. Does this feel awkward to you? And he like, like, you, I don't know. You feel like he's walking in on Ray and Kylo having a having a moment, but not really, but sorta. And he just straight up freaks out, like blows the whole little little shack up. Um, this comes to a head, right? Oh, we haven't even talked about. Ray going down in the cave, which is a whole other banana scene. I still don't even really understand what's going on. I love that scene. Just the well, then explain I guess the, to me what's happening. Well, I don't know what's happening. Just the cinematography of it. Yeah, and how there's this past and future going on that I don't really understand um, how how that how that works plot wise. But um, I mean, just the way that she moves and just how the movement just comes through and then continues onward. Um, I, I'm just visually, it's really, it's really cool looking. I know like in Empire, when he goes into the cave, you know, he finds um, 
Darth Vader in there and he, you know, he like strikes him down, but then he sees the mask and it's him in the mask. And, you know, so it's just a little more obvious, like what's going on <laughs> with, with that. But with, with her, and I guess it is pretty obvious, like she wants to know who she is, right? I mean, it's all about identity to her. She wants to know who her parents are, which really to me means she wants to know who she is. Cause she, she says throughout, like, I don't know what part I play in this story. And Luke even flat out questions her when they first meet. He's like, who are you? That's, that's what she's trying to find out too. Like she doesn't know. She doesn't know where, she, who she is and how she fits into this story. And, um, but she doesn't get, that answer really uh, down in the cave, which I don't know. Like I would be very, she's obviously very frustrated and feels alone and I would feel that way too. And then she ends up having this, you know, last little, uh, force time moment thing with, with Kylo and, uh, all of this sets up, of course, they like make a physical connection, which physical is in air quotes. Cause they're not, physically there together but they kind of are it's weird right i don't understand um this all sets up though because they both have when they when they touch they both have this vision of what's going to happen and again why are they not suspicious about this whatever they're they're just they're just not thinking two steps ahead like old levi here um they both see each other joining the other's side like so they she immediately thinks, okay, like we need to go and, and get him, right? Like this can happen. She's trying to convince Luke. They have this little little fight, which is kind of kind of dope because Luke still still has it, as we come to find out. Um but she, man, she she's just like convinced that this is what needs to happen. And Luke tells her, like, this is not gonna go how you think it's gonna go, which is kind of the theme of the whole movie. Um, and and uh, she says, okay, well, then you come with me. Like She tries to give him the lightsaber, his lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber, and he just can't do it. Like He can't move past what happened. And so she's like, all right, well, then I got to do this by myself. And she decides to leave. This whole... It feels like things just move really fast from this moment on, like just kind of breakneck speed. Um, she leaves the island. Her plan is to kind of like just give herself up and go meet with Kylo because she thinks that she can can save him and turn him back to the light. Um, we do, we do kind of get the answer, which I don't know if this ever was a question that you had after watching episode seven, but it's a question that Ray has and she poses to him. It's just like, why did you, why did you kill Han Solo? Like he, he was your father. He loved you. Like, why did you do this? And, um, you know, he, he has this whole quote about letting the past die, kill it. If you have to, it's the only way that you can become who you're meant to be. And I don't know like how he got in that headspace, but like that, that's your answer. Like, that's why he did it. he, he sees what he should be and he thinks, you know, everyone else is trying, including his uncle apparently <laughs> is trying to keep him from, from this greatness that he's perceived in his mind, um, which is really sad. I, I'm still very torn about Han Solo's uh, exit from this, this universe. Um, 
I kind of have to skip ahead here because we've we've been talking about a lot of this stuff. Uh, then we get this awesome cameo from uh, the one and only Master Yoda, which I don't know if I was expecting it, but it's just it was one of those moments like that when it happens and you're like, "All right, yeah, I'm totally down with this." We hadn't seen a Force Ghost yet in this sequel trilogy, and uh, if we get to see Yoda. Which totally works for Luke, because like Luke, Luke needs a teacher right now in this moment, and Yoda delivers a pretty strong little lesson in this short amount of time. Which it's funny, you know. He, Luke says, "I'm gonna burn down these texts, and I'm gonna, you know, just end it all." And then he can't do it, and then Yoda does it, but he doesn't really do it because he knows. That the texts are with Ray, you see later, you know, you like you see that she has them later, um, but it's all about just trying to teach Luke, like, listen, you know, you're supposed to pass everything on, not just your strengths, but also the areas where you're weak, because that's the greatest point of 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 learning is in your failures. Um, I really like this scene with with Yoda and Luke. And uh, I love that it was puppet Yoda and not, not CGI Yoda that we got in the in the prequels bouncing around. <laughs> I, do, I do remember that scene. Yeah, you know it's it's been uh, it's been sixteen years, but that kind of gets seared in your memory. <laughs> yep, Yoda bouncing around like a freaking psychopath. Uh, all right, um. Everything's converging now. All these little side stories are coming together into to one spot. Everybody's in the same place. Um, let's just go to what happens with Snoke and Kylo and, and Ray. Um, this is problem number seven. <laughs> and maybe this is more where I hear more noise than uh, the Canto Bite stuff or the Mary Poppins Leia. Who the F is Snoke, man? Like, people want to know. And people, I think, feel betrayed because he's set up to be this crazy powerful something. We don't even know. Like, is he a Sith? We don't really, we don't know. Like, we have no background information about this person. He's obviously powerful. He throws Ray around like a rag doll. Um, he's powerful enough to establish this crazy connection between the two of them. Which, by the way, he just comes out and says, like, I knew that, uh, you know, he would be too weak to, to not share things with you and that you would take the bait. Like, that's that's, that's what I did. And it, it worked. Um, this is finally when Kylo, like, realizes, oh, like, you're really just using me like you use Hux. Um, great callback here because at the end of episode seven, Han tells him, like, he just wants you for your power. Like, that's it. He just wants to use you for that. And this all finally clicks for, for Kylo. I love when um, his, well, two things I love here. One, I love that Ray like, takes his lightsaber and turns it on because that's a pretty awesome moment. Um, could be misleading if you saw that out of context. Um, and then I love that when his lightsaber like slides back to her, it's spinning. Which kind of like you just see the thing start to click in his head, right? Of how he's gonna 
do this. Like he sees the lightsaber spinning. He knows the other lightsaber is over there by Snoke. So he's, you know, he starts to spin it in his, in his hand as he's, you know, using the force to spin the other lightsaber close. And Snoke is just blinded by his, his ego, right? He, he, he's like saying, I can read his thoughts, which he's reading his thoughts, but he's just not understanding what he's reading here. And it's a big, crazy twist moment in this story of, especially if you thought Snoke's going to be this really important villain and we're going to find out more. He's going to be like this emperor like character that we're going to find out more about in episode nine. Well, psych out guys. This is, this is to me like Ryan Johnson's ultimate psych out moment here of, Hey, you know, we're not doing what you think we're doing here. Like we're doing something different. And people hate it because they, and maybe rightly so, they want to know more about Snoke and we just, we're just not, you know, it doesn't seem like we're going to get any of those answers. How do you feel about Snoke? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I have some of those same feelings of just, if he's going to be a guy that has so much power over uh, such an important part of the story, that it, it it makes sense that we would know more about him, that we would learn more about him, and that we would do so obviously before he's killed, because now there's kind of not not a reason yeah. um to to you know give us anything about him. So I mean at the same time, you know, it's it, it's already a long movie, but I'm sure there there are plenty of people that would, you know, trade Canobite for know some background on on Snoke but yeah it's it's just one of those things it's like if you can't let go of it you know and to a certain degree follow the Philip method of like I'm just I'm just observing this story I'm not I'm not gonna hold on to what I think should happen I'm just gonna take this story in people man they don't like this whole Snoke thing and not knowing who he is where he came from. There are all these crazy theories about him being like the original Sith Lord reincarnated. I mean, like it gets really crazy. If you, if you dive into it, people just had already built up in their minds who he was and, and how he was going to play into this story. And then they just, you know, immediately I've seen like backlash around, Oh, JJ set up this story. And then Ryan Johnson just was like, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going <laughs> to completely uh, make a hard right here and, and do something different. Which one? Like, that's not how this works. You know, like JJ, he was involved in the, like, there's no way that he set up these pawns and set up all these pieces and then just handed them all off and let someone else completely ruin the, the arc of this trilogy. There's no way that that's what happened. Well, he's, he's directing episode nine well he wasn't right. he, yeah he is but he wasn't like that wasn't the plan for him to direct it but he he's super involved he's an yeah. ep like to think that he had no input on what happens in episode eight is just to, to borrow luke's term it's vanity like what are you insane like i feel like people just want to blame ryan johnson and and you know they're like oh jj's gonna come in and fix this and like i'm not unconvinced that this isn't part of JJ's plan for this 
this whole story, and it just frustrates me. People think, you know, that Ryan Johnson just ruined the the trilogy, and JJ's going to come and clean it up. No, like this was all part of the plan. Like, there's no way that JJ wasn't involved and didn't didn't have input on these story beats in, in episode eight. I digress. Um, Ray thinks. Well, first of all, this leads to the most beautifully choreographed and like beautifully uh shot and just the environment of this this fight this lightsaber battle between with with the two of them not between the two of them they don't, they're not fighting each other um they're fighting this these guards this is this is like the height of this movie to me um uh, even people that hate this movie they love this scene like any of the podcasts i've listened to of dissenters of this movie they're like oh but you know what that fight scene was really awesome. And man, it is. It's I love Kylo's fighting style, like the way he drags his lightsaber around like it is like this big broadsword. I mean, it's kind of designed to look like that a little bit with the weird guard thing that he's got mm-hmm. going on. Um man, this this whole scene, them fighting together, it's it's awesome. I think it's the best fight scene in a Star Wars movie, hands down. Um then they they play force tug of war over Luke's <laughs> oh, She you know she still thinks naively that oh they killed all the guards and now they're gonna work together and stop this and and you said it earlier man like Kylo has different plans he just he wants to burn it all to the ground like he good bad he doesn't want any part of it he wants to burn it all to the ground and start over. And he wants her to be there with him and she can't do it. And it, I think this is what ultimately kind of seals who he becomes because he even said, like, you can just see it in, in his face. Like he's saying, join me, please. Like he even says, please, like he, he needs her so badly and she, she can't, she can't do it. And, uh, it kind of, to me, ends all hope for him being, a redeemable character. I don't know where you come out on that, but I, even at the end, like Leia says too, that he's gone. Like, you know, when Luke and Leia have their moment, I feel like they're just saying pretty definitively, like we're not, we're not going to be able to turn him back. Like, like we did with Vader could be wrong. We'll see what happens in episode nine, but Seems to me like he's on a trajectory of, well, fine. <laughs> fine, Ray. We can't be Raylo, so now I gotta I gotta just do this on my own. Uh last problem that I think people have with this movie. That may be overstating it, but um people hate this whole holdo light speed kamikaze thing. Cause they just feel like it breaks the logic of of star Wars. Uh, the argument I've heard is, well, if they could do that, they could have just destroyed the death star that way. They could have just got a big ship and gone to light speed right into the death star and just destroyed it. And now all the logic of these movies is just broken. What are people complaining about? This is like the fuel thing all over to me, except multiplied by 10 here. It's like, come on people. It's a movie. Light speed's not a real thing. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what you want me to say about this. 
yeah, I guess it breaks the logic of Star Wars, but that scene in the theater, though, was awesome. They do... I've talked about the, the scenes earlier where, you know, they're, they're having these really dramatic scenes with no, no dialogue or you can't, you can't hear what's happening in the scene. You just hear the score. They kind of go the, a slightly different route here where it's just complete silence and you get like that kind of like when you see lightning and then you hear the thunder effect Wow, man! in the theater. That was so awesome. Yeah. I just remember being all in when that happened. And then, of course, all these fanboys are like, well, then that breaks the rules of Star Wars. So why didn't they just do that? I don't know how. I don't got time for fanboys crying about, about this movie anymore. Um, Finn and Phasma, you know, that's another thing people complain about is, like, what's the point of Phasma? She's not, not every character has to be a big interesting villain like some characters are just they have a really small purpose to serve in the story um that is kind of the the cementing part of of Finn's arc you know when he he gets seemingly knocked off and then he comes up and just freaking Barry Bonds is <laughs> on Phasma's head and uh she tells him you were always scum, and he says rebel scum. So he's committed now. He's like, uh, what was that metaphor that that Gordon always used to do about the the chicken and the pig that wanted to start a a, a, a diner, a breakfast diner? And we'll... <laughs> I'm going way off here, way inside joke here. I I don't remember. You this don't remember at all. this? Yeah, he always had this. He would tell it in his scrum class about there was a pig and a chicken that wanted to start a restaurant together. And uh, the chicken said, why don't we call it ham and eggs? And the pig was like, well, uh, that's a little too committed for me. <laughs> I'm butchering the joke, but that was basically it. You know, the pig didn't want to commit that much to being the, the ham part of, of, of ham and eggs. All that to say, Finn is all in now. We know it's, he's not looking to get out. He's committed. He's on this side. Thus completes his story arc. So the whole Canto Bite thing was not a waste of time for, for good old Finn. In closing, and we've this would be, I guess, problem number nine or ten. I don't know what problem we're on now. We've kind of been talking around this the whole time, though, about Luke isn't the Luke of our memories. Like, people have this real problem with who Luke is in this movie. And I think it's more a reflection of those people than it is a reflection of who Luke actually is. And my ultimate argument to this is the very end of this movie. The, the resistance ends up on this weird salt mining planet. It's their last, uh, holdout, some old bunker and first orders coming in hard, man. They're, they want to close this thing out. They send out distress signals. They've been received, but no one's coming. <laughs> this is the end of the resistance. No one's coming to help you uh, except our man, Luke. And uh, he comes in looking very clean shaven and, uh, well, not clean shaven, but trimmed. You know, he's trimmed his beard up or something, got a haircut. 
Don't know how he had time to do that. Maybe the caretakers. Um, and we get this scene with him and Leia that is just, it's, it's gold, man. Like the whole movie to me comes down to this scene with him and her. And then his last moments with, with Kylo. Um, and when he, he tells her, we didn't mention it earlier, but he gets the dice right out of the, the Falcon, which we'd never seen these dice before. And all of a sudden they're a, they're an important artifact. Apparently we see them in solo too. So they're really trying to stress that these were a real thing. Although we'd never, I guess they were probably in a background shot or of something in the old movies, but they were never a point of emphasis. Um, you know, she gives him or he gives her the dice and, and says, um, you know, no one's ever really gone. It's like, yes, I love you, Luke. You're my man. Uh, and then he goes out and he does the most Luke Skywalker thing imaginable. So when people tell me that this is not Luke Skywalker, he goes out there and he completely abstains from actually fighting. This is the most Jedi thing that he could ever do. And he's done it before. Like, we saw this happen in Return of the Jedi when... He is fighting Vader and like realizes he's about to give in to his anger. And then he stops, right? Throws his lightsaber down and is like, I'm not going to do this. That's exactly what he's doing here because, spoiler alert, he's not even there. <laughs> like, he's not even physically at this place, you know, that we come to find out. He's force projecting himself, who knows how far away. Crazy new power we've never seen before. Um, ultimately, ultimately, he sacrifices himself to do this, to buy some time for the Resistance to get out and to carry on. Doesn't actually fight Kylo, because he can't. I mean, he's not there. If, if that's not the most Luke Skywalker thing imaginable, I don't know what else is. So I have no time for these people that are like, that's not my Luke Skywalker. Well, then you didn't even know who Luke Skywalker was. I'm, I'm just, am I wrong, Philip? Like, am I wrong to be this worked up about all these fanboys crying about Luke Skywalker? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly good use of, of your time and your, and your life <laughs> to fight the power. I've got to, right? Because these people, it's, you know, these, this, my, this, uh, what is it? Vocal minority? Is that the word you hear a lot? You know. Yes. It drives me crazy, man. We need the other people who like this movie to stand up to peer pressure, or cheer pressure, as some other famous podcasters have have termed. It just bothers me. Like, and again, you know, it doesn't matter. I know, but I love this movie. Like, unashamed as I am. And I do have to admit, like I've I've told you this before, right? We've had conversations about this before. I was probably gonna love this movie no matter what. Like, so everything I've said for the last two plus hours, you can just ignore. Like, I just came into this movie hopelessly set up to love it no matter what, because I love Luke Skywalker. We didn't get him in episode seven. He's back. And, you know, I mentioned my dad earlier. This was the first movie that first Star Wars movie that came out since he had died. And so I was coming into it with all this baggage of like, Luke could have just, the whole movie could have been Luke like drinking milk straight from the creepy cow creature, not even in a, in a bottle. And I would be like, best movie ever. <laughs> okay, man, that might be a, might be a little like, exaggerated. Um, 
So yeah, I'm predisposed to like this movie for my own personal crazy reasons. But I, it's a good movie. I don't understand why people are so. And when you 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 mentioned uh, the Rotten Tomato score earlier, it's still really high. So critics critics like this movie. It's really fans who have had a problem with for whatever reason. Well, we've listed like none of them. Uh, yeah, I think in the end, like it's a great story with great characters, and uh, I mean, there's just some things that people expected from those characters that they feel like they don't deliver on. But you know, I just feel like, well, why? Why did you expect that from those characters, especially this? You know, this much after. I mean, it's not like one episode to another they completely changed. I mean, it was obviously after a huge amount of time. And after an enormous uh, number and amount of experience um, that, that caused the change, that just, that just makes sense. I don't know what your experience has been like, but for most people that I've found that don't like this movie, they all seem to be, I'm going to say this delicately, they all seem to be of a certain age, which that age would be older than us. So people who really grew up with the original trilogy is what I'm trying to say. Um, that doesn't mean they have to be like as old as my dad was. That could be people that are in their, you know, early forties even. That they really grew up on the original trilogy, and they were older when the prequels came out. Yeah, and so ha- we're more discerning in how terrible <laughs> the prequels really were um, than than maybe we were because we were kids and we were like, hey, it's Star Wars, it's fun. Um, that's been my experience, man. The people that have been lukewarm on this movie or like flat out hated it mostly tend to fall in that elder category. Um, and, you know, like maybe that's completely valid. I don't know. Like I grew up with the prequels, so I don't have like I don't have this irrational attachment to the prequels because I can watch them now and admit, yeah, like they're not good. Um, obviously the, the original trilogy is superior. Um, but i I feel like these two movies and this new trilogy, these are the first movies made really for, for our generation. Like just even the style and the pacing, like n- not even the story, right? Like just how it's presented and how it's made is made more for our generation of, and, and even younger than us. Right. George Lucas making the prequels thinking it was something that kids would want. That wasn't what kids wanted, right? And and so I have to admit, yeah, I probably have some bias to these movies that, um, you know, maybe I can't understand why other people don't like them as much. But these last two movies rank really high on my, my personal list of Star Wars movies. I love The Force Awakens. Um, I love this movie. And I don't know, man. I just have, I have a hard time. We've gone through several arguments, right? That seem to be the common arguments. And I feel like I've done a pretty decent job of refuting uh, a lot of these, especially when it comes to Luke. And again, I know I'm, I have admitted biases around Luke, but I just can't, I can't understand where people are like, well, that's not my Luke Skywalker. Well, then you didn't, you didn't understand Luke ever. You know, because this is totally Luke. He's just a little more jaded and 30 years older. Like, 
I don't know what to tell these people. Um, by the way, him, him with Kylo is like the best. He just totally owns Kylo Ren in this scene. You know, he he comes out and Kylo's like, "Did you come to save my soul?" And he just goes, "No." <laughs> like, yes, yeah, I love it. And then he he tells him, um, "You know, strike me down in anger, and I'll always be with you, just like your father." Mic drop moment. Like he just totally owns Kylo here, and then tells him, "See you around, kid." <laughs> At the end, which we should have known, even though this kills Luke, we should have known Luke was coming back. I mean, we got the official confirmation on that with the cast announcement several months ago. But the two reasons why we should have known this. Number one, we didn't get that third lesson. So we got to get lesson three. And number two, he tells Kylo, see you, see you around, kid. It's got to it's gotta come uh, come true on that promise, I feel like. um. Ray shuts the door on Kylo, force timing. Ouch, they're done. Seems like, seems like they're officially done. And the movie ends with a tag, which, again, to my knowledge, never had anything like that in a Star Wars movie. Um, we get to see the group of kids that we saw at Canto Bite. So I guess maybe some of the Canto Bite stuff was good because we get this nice little tag at the end with this kid. And I had to show this scene to Kanan five times today when we watched it because he just totally misses it. It's so subtle um, with him like using the force to, to grab the broom that you could miss it if you weren't really paying attention in this last scene. And I had to keep rewinding it. I was like, Kanan, are you, are you not seeing it? He even said, no, the broom just fell. Kanan, you can't be the person that says, this should have been called The First Order Strikes Back. You can't have that level of awareness on this movie and then tell me that the broom just fell. Got to work on my seven-year-old a little bit. But um, I thought that was awesome. Like, I love, I love that little tag because, again, never had something like that. And, you know, it just kind of sets up like, hey, there is still some hope out there. It's yeah, it's pretty grim right now. We're down to like conservatively 300 people, maybe. Probably not even that many. I mean, where they where they were at the end in that bunker, there were not a lot of people left. Uh, but kind of feel like, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I don't think episode nine is going to start right after episode eight. And some of that, I feel like, is because of the way this tag is. You know, introducing, hey, there's other people out there. I'm not saying this kid is going to be in the next movie, but it just seems like they have some work to do, and so maybe they're going to jump ahead a little bit so we can see them in a little bit better position than where they are at the end of Episode 8. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be against that because if they pick up where they are, it just almost seems like, it, it could it could look very very similar to episode eight episode mm -hmm. nine could look very similar to episode eight which you know you could you could do some different stuff obviously but it, it would be nice to put them in a little bit of a different situation because they kind of end up in a very similar situation to where they started some of them have survived and some of them haven't and you've had you know all these all these adventures that went on but you know 
there's no there's no real victory no. here necessarily. Like there's there's kind of a lack of complete defeat, but not, not real not real victory to be had here. There's a lot of character development, but there's no real progress in terms of the the higher level story yeah. of what's going on between these these two groups, right? Yeah. Um and I, so I don't know, I guess originally I thought well, so it is this kid like a like a Jedi or going to be a Jedi? But he's force sensitive, apparently. Could could be though that you know what Luke has introduced is really true, and it's like you know you can use the force without being a Jedi, and so maybe that's kind of where they end up taking taking things in this in this next episode and episodes beyond that, which is that. You know, it's it's not just not just Jedi that that are going to be using the Force, um, but it'll go beyond that. So, where does this rank for you? <laughs> I don't. I have making a, some interesting faces over there. I have a really hard time ranking Star Wars movies, um, in, in large part because of, I mean things I've talked about on the episode already, which is that I just have a hard time like recapturing that first time seeing it. Um, th that's really true for the original trilogy. Um, it's yeah, it's a totally different experience watching it now than when you were a kid. Although I will say Kanan's favorite still is a new hope, which totally blows my mind Yeah, because I mean, it's such a slower paced film. Um, it's just so, I mean, it's a 40 plus year old movie at this point. And uh, it really surprises me that that's his favorite. But it, I mean, hands down, I mean, the, if you ask him which one's his favorite, they'll say that it's that one. And I think it probably, for him, it's probably like A New Hope and then Phantom Menace. And then, uh, you know, he likes Empire and he likes Return of the, I think he likes Return of the Jedi better than Empire. Just Empire's kind of dark. And, you know, if you're a kid, Return of the Jedi is a little more uplifting. Um, I don't know if he loves the force awakens so much. I think a lot of that is just cause he has a really hard time with, with Han Solo and what happens to him at the end. Um, and then the last Jedi, I, he seems to like it, but I don't know, you know, where it really ranks for him. Uh, Declan got like moved to tears today about Luke. <laughs> I'm like, but you've seen this. I, I don't know if he just probably wasn't paying attention before, but like, he was he was visually upset about Luke today, and I was like, "It's all right, man. Like, he'll be back. Don't worry about it." <laughs> he, he saw he saw um, you know Luke disappears right at the end, and Declan like I just wasn't paying attention, but like he was really processing some of this stuff today, and he was like, he he said, "So that's what happens when you die." <laughs> I was like, "No, but he." Because he said, he, he said, now I know what happens when you die. And I'm like, whoa, buddy. No. That is definitely not what happens when you die. You do not just disappear like that. So I had to have a little <laughs> parenting, <laughs> quick intercession with him. Because he, yeah, he was, he was taking it very deeply today. I guess so. That is not what happens when you die. You do not disappear no matter what star wars 
may lead you to, to believe. It ranks high for me. Um, it just kind of depends on, on the day. Because Empire still ranks pretty high for me. And I feel like, it, you know, maybe I do go into cheer pressure a little bit there. Feels a little sacrilegious to not not have an original trilogy up high. But um, 8 and 7 are high for me. I, I really like these movies. Like I said earlier, I feel like they're the first Star Wars movies really made, you know, for my age range or like my generation of, of um, you know, fans and moviegoers. Um, and just having Luke back, like, you know, it was always going to rank pretty high for me <laughs> on that standpoint. All right. We talked a lot. I know it's been a year, but I've listened to a lot of podcasts about this movie and I listened to them all. And even if people disagreed, you know, with how I felt about it. Uh, but this was our Christmas gift to you. Uh, you know, if you're if you're like me and you're with family on Christmas and you need to sneak an AirPod in to, you know, to manage. Or what's the word I'm looking for? Cope. Is that is that it? Uh, then here's this two hour gift uh, for you. I hope you like The Last Jedi because it's, it's all we're talking about. Not not lukewarm on The Last Jedi. <laughs> 